job. Come on. That's my man. Great job, bro. Great job. Man, I've been praying for all of you guys. I pray for you every week. But knowing I'm speaking today, for the last two weeks I've been praying for you guys. And what my prayer has been is that there would be people in this room today who are weak, who are getting ready to throw in the towel, who have nothing left to give, and today they would realize that the weakness that they have is made strong through the Savior's love, through Jesus, in Jesus. So when I hear you singing that, that pumps me up, all right? It's going to be a good, good day. Yes, it is. Come on. Nine o'clock yelling. Dang. Okay. It's going to be a real good day. (laughs) Here we go. Hey, listen, uh, I want to ask a question. And uh, I love participation, so I need you to help me out. How many of you in this room have ever felt any time in your life just weak? Come on. You felt weak, right? I felt weak, no doubt about that. And I'm not talking about being like a little tired sometimes. I'm not talking about like a little fatigued. I'm not talking about not not strong. I'm not even talking about being like on a diet and going to Chili's and seeing the molten lava cake on the menu and praying, oh God, I need your strength at this moment. Although I pray that every time I go to Chili's, right? I'm not talking about that kind of week. I'm talking about physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally just depleted, like nothing else to give. Like you have no more breath to take. You can't even take another step because you are absolutely in every aspect of your life just exhausted. You ever felt like that? I have. Listen to this. Valentine's Day 2013. Uh, I'm starting to feel a little sick, but that's nothing new uh, for me. I've got a lot of sinus and and allergy issues, uh, but something had happened uh, leading up to this night uh, where I just felt a a little off. Something was going on. And so I took my wife out to dinner on Valentine's Day, even though I was a little sick, just like, you know, I should have, you know, I might have been sicker if I wouldn't have because she would have beaten me up or something. And so, no, she'd have understood. But we went out and uh, we go to Cheesecake Factory and I just start feeling something's off. And I tell her, man, I need to go to the bathroom and I'm splashing water on my face and I start blacking out in the, in the bathroom and I don't know what's going on. So I come back and I tell her, so we leave early and I wasn't able to get the, the carrot cake, cheesecake, and so that was unfortunate. But anyways, we went home and, and I told her that night, I said, look, uh, I think I might need to go to the ER. And she said, are you kidding me? I said, yeah, man, my, my face is on fire. My head's pounding. It feels like my teeth are about to get ripped out of my face. Like, I think I need to go to the ER. She's like, well, that's a good reason to go to the ER. So we went, and long story short, we were in the ER all night long, like many of us have uh, done many times. Uh, oncologists have come in the next morning. Uh, ENTs walk in. They've taken my blood. And they start saying some real scary stuff to me that could happen uh, that they're going to want to watch for. And I'm in the hospital about a week and a half, and a lot of you guys might remember this. And long story short, uh, an ENT came to me about a week and a half into the hospital, and he said, here's what we believe is wrong with you. Uh, About 10 years ago, when you had that sinus surgery, we believe that the surgeon punctured a hole in your brain lining. Some of you guys are like, that's what's wrong with that guy. (laughs) You shut up. Listen, now listen, so listen. I got a hole in my brain. And so all this sinus problems, all these allergy problems, this infection, this bacteria had kind of creeped up in that hole and given me meningitis. So they put me on bed rest, gave me a bunch of of medication, and I'm all good now. You know, I have to take a shot for the rest of my life. I have this weird, gross condition I'm not even going to tell you about or bore you with because you might not like me anymore. And so I got all this. But listen, what he told me was, bro, it looks like you've been fighting a sinus infection literally for like eight years. 
Like your body off and on has been fighting this and your immune system has like nothing else to give. Like your immune system's completely gone. Your white blood cell count is as low as it could possibly go, like cancer level type lows. Like that's the kind of weakness that I'm talking about. That's the kind of weakness I'm talking about, like completely nothing to give. But here's the thing about that type of weakness. That type of weakness does not happen overnight. Like my body wasn't completely healthy and I'm ready to go and and, and all healthy and immune systems working on all cylinders. And then the next day I wake up and need to go to the ER. You see what I'm saying? It took months. It took years for my body to get to that spot where my immune system, my body was completely shut down. Have you ever felt like that spiritually? You know what I'm talking about? Where you've tried to fight something for so long and finally you're just saying, man, it's time to throw in the towel. I think about things like, you know, maybe uh, uh, you, you didn't have a good dad. And so you've been lying to yourself. We did a great series just a few months ago called Who Told You That? And if you, didn't, if you weren't here or you've just come, you need to look that up on our app because it was unbelievable about the lies that we believe. Like, man, I didn't have a good dad, so I'm not going to be a good dad. There's no reason to even try. I'm giving up. That's a lie, man. And we're so weak and finally we give up. Uh, maybe your marriage is at a point where you've been fighting for years. Man, you haven't been connected for years. And now you're at a point that you're saying, man, let's just throw in the towel. We can't do this. And I think that something that we need to ask ourselves when we're faced with these type of lies, when a sin creeps up, a guy that might look at something at 3 a.m. when everybody else is in bed, or a woman, and it might seem so small that, that has to run and gossip and talk about everybody else because they're so insecure and don't feel good enough about themselves that they have to talk about everybody else. And we've tried to fight these things over and over and over again. And on Sunday afternoon, it feels real good, and we raise our hands, and we sing, and we hear an inspirational message, and we go home, and we say, God, I'm never going to look at a woman with lust again. I'm never going to take that second look. And then 11 and a half minutes later, you blow that, and you're going, God, what is wrong? What's happening? Here's what I believe, that maybe we don't understand where our strength comes from, our true, real strength comes from. We're going to spend the few minutes that we have today uh, looking at a story of the strongest man who ever lived but spent most of his life living without any true, without any real strength. Uh, His name was Samson. Uh, You can take your Bibles if you got them on your phone, your tablet. We'll have it up there if you don't to Judges chapter 16. Uh, But first, I just want to give you a little backstory, Not to bore you, I just want to set this story up. Uh, God's people, the Israelites, uh, were acting crazy again. Uh, The Bible says they were doing evil in the sight of the Lord, just messing everything up. So at this time, the Philistines, and just trust me when I say the Philistines, are just some bad, bad guys, man. They're bad news, they're bad people, evil people. They're hurting, they're killing, they're wreaking some major havoc on the children of God, the Israelites. But God made them a promise. God told his people uh, that I'm going to deliver you, man, I'm going to bring you through. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what's happening, I will deliver you. So in chapter 13, an angel of the Lord appears to Samson's mom a couple times, tells tells her some things that Samson's going to do, how he's going to do it, and then finally he meets uh, both parents and tells them both uh, that Samson was going to be blessed. Man, that he was a chosen, he was going to be set apart, and he was going to do something great through Samson to, in fact, deliver the children of Israel. So the angel tells them a few things that they have to do, what they don't not do, and maybe the most important thing, maybe the most famous thing that most of us might have heard before, is they told him, they told the parents, do not cut his participation, do not cut his 
There we go. Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. You haven't been to church and you just found out something and that's, that's good too. So listen, so because of this, Samson was a bad dude. Like you do not want to talk about Samson's mama. No, he's a bad dude. Listen, it says that he ripped lions to pieces with his bare hands. It says that he killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Like that's pretty cool. That's not cool that he like, he killed people. Like I don't want to do that, but I'm just saying it's kind of Crazy to, 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 to watch that Samson would kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Like if Samson's in UFC, he doesn't challenge one guy. Like he challenges every other UFC fighter and he wins, right? Like pay-per-view. I'm paying to see that, right? Come on. So Samson's a bad dude. Listen, Samson had some legendary victories. Some legendary victories. Man, you can read uh, chapters 13, 14, and 15 and see all these things that Samson did. And you're just astonished. You're saying, wow, man, Samson's the man. Samson's got it going on, some legendary victories. But you know what else? Samson had some legendary failures as well. Man, he had some legendary failures. I've been reading uh, these four chapters of Samson's life, and I've asked this many times. Like, I'm looking and seeing some of the things that Samson has done, some of the decisions that he's made, and, and man, I'm going, Samson, why are you so stupid, bro? Like, why are you so dumb? Like, I think Samson is like some big, like, ogre. Like, me real strong, but me not think good. Like, that's what I think of when I think of Samson, right? Like, he keeps, and listen, it's not just dumb stuff. He keeps doing the same dumb stuff over and over and over again. And I'm asking God, I'm reading this going, why is Samson so dumb? And you know what God said back to me? Stevie, you are Samson. Like, if somebody's reading my story in the Bible... Like, and see the mistakes that I've made and the screw-ups I've had and the billions of chances that I've had and I continue to blow it and I continue to make the same mistakes and I continue to run back to the same thing. Like, somebody's reading my story like, God, what's wrong with this guy's TV? Like, why is he in here, man? We need to learn from this guy. He's messing it up. And I'm reading and I'm studying. I'm thinking, God, why put this in here? And I spent the last few weeks looking and seeing uh, that my story and your story is right smack in the middle of Samson. That the things that we do, the mistakes that we make, the things that we continue to run back to, I think that we can look at Samson's life and learn something from it. That's what I want to do today, just to look and see. I think a better way to say instead of Samson was maybe uh, stupid or dumb might be that Samson was weak. That Samson was weak. What we just sang about, man, the weak made strong. We're going to see how Samson's life is just applicable right to that. The strongest man to ever live was weak. And here's how. How is the strongest man to ever walk the planet weak? And here's what I think the answer is. He did not know the answer to the question, what we're going to look at all day today. Where does my strength come from? Where does my strength come from? And he spent his entire life searching for the answer to that question. He spent his entire life trying to find the answer to that question. And if we're not careful, if I'm not careful, if you're not careful, we'll do the same thing. We'll spend our entire lives, most of our lives, searching for the answer to the question, where does my strength come from? We'll spend our entire life uh, continuing to fail, continuing to fall, continuing to, to when these things surface and these decisions rise up and these emotions and these mistakes, and we continue to get defeated by them. I believe it might be because we can't accurately answer the question, where does our strength come from? You see, the story of Samson goes much deeper than just a story about struggle with lust, or anger, or pride, a weakness for women, and my weaknesses and your weaknesses go much deeper than that too. So where does my strength come from? And it's easy 
to give that church the answer. You know, I asked that, and I know what you think, because I think the same thing. Like, you want to go like, my strength comes from the Lord. Like, that's the first thing that wants to come to your mouth. And don't do that, because we know each other too well. And we know the Sunday school answers, and we've been here long enough to know what to say. But listen, judging by our life, and seeing the decisions that we make, and the things that conquer us and fail us, where would we truly say that we believe that our strength comes from? So look, Judges 16, we're going to pick up this story uh, with a woman named Delilah. Everybody say Delilah. There's just something about it. You know, like when I'm reading this this week, you know, and I grew up in the South, you guys remember like Delilah? You remember her? And she's like, thanks for calling, sweetheart. It's going to be a great night. That is not this lady, all right? Like, this is lady's evil twin, this Delilah we're talking about. So listen, Samson had a hard time. We've already talked about these legendary failures. Uh, He dealt with pride. He continuously disobeyed God. He ran from God. And maybe his biggest was women. He continued to run after women that he was not supposed to be with, that God uh, forbidden him to be with. But the Bible says, listen to this, that whatever was pleasing to his eye, that's what Samson went after. Whatever was pleasing to his eye. Uh, He did what he wanted, when he wanted, regardless of the advice of his parents, his friends, uh, his God. He he, He did what he wanted, when he wanted. Whatever was pleasing to his eye, whatever caught his eye. And then we pick up uh, Judges 16. We're going to look at verse 4 through 6 right now uh, that Delilah has caught his eye. And that's kind of where we're going to start the story today. Verse 4 says, And then he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was... Delilah. Remember, not Delilah, like Delilah, like that type of Delilah. Listen, verse 5, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how he can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to him, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Now remember, he keeps making these horrible decisions, uh, doing things that God has told him not to do. He's chasing all these women uh, he's not even supposed to be with in the first place. And now he falls for this crazy lady named Delilah. And let me tell you something about Delilah. Like I said, like, we all know like, like crazy people. Like, Delilah's like a crazy, crazy person, right? Like, and we've all got some crazy. That's what I'm saying, man. Ask my wife. I got some crazy. But Delilah's like a crazy, crazy person. Like, reality TV, Snooky times 100, like crazy, crazy Delilah, right? Right? We've all got some crazy, but, but Delilah's crazy, crazy. And you can think of some crazy, crazy people right now, and you need to stop that. You know, Lord forgive you. And if you can't think of any crazy, crazy person, you're like, I don't really know any crazy, crazy people. That's probably because you are the crazy, crazy person, all right? But listen, that's all right. Listen, so, so Delilah is crazy. So crazy, crazy Delilah has been approached by the Philistines, it says. Remember, the enemy, the bad guy, these evil people trying to destroy God's people, trying to destroy Samson. And she's been paid off by them to find out where Sam- Samson gets his strength from. So she starts her mission. Uh, Verses 7 through 14, the Bible tells us that she presses him, that she tricks him. And over and over again, she's asking him, where do you get your strength from? Uh, She asks him three different times on numerous occasions. You know, Samson, where do you get your strength from? And he doesn't tell her, but she keeps pressing him. She keeps calling it. Listen, every time he tells her, and it's not the truth, man, she calls these Philistines in going, uh, you know, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are in. And then he gets up just like he does every other time. He destroys these guys. He kills these guys. And then he goes right back to Delilah, and she tries to do this again. So once again, I'm reading the story going like, bro, have you not figured this out yet? Like, have you not, like, she's, she's tricking you. Then she's calling the guy. She's trying to figure out your strength. You tell her a lie about what is your strength. Then she calls the guys trying to kill you. 
because she thought you told her your strength and you continue to tell her the strength. You get what I'm saying? I'm going, Samson, what is wrong with you, man? Listen, and then it happens. Look at this. A lifetime of running and putting his hope, his trust, his strength and everything else, uh, the bottom falls out for Samson. And this is what he might be most famous for, unfortunately. Verse 15 says this. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him until his soul was vexed to death, and he told her all his heart. And he said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. You ever heard this? that it's rarely a blowout, it's usually a slow leak. And like I said, with my immune system and my body, it just didn't happen overnight, man. It took months, it took years for my immune system to come to that spot. So it's rarely a blowout, it's usually a slow leak. Unless you have a nine month old, then sometimes it's a blowout. But other than that, man, it's usually a slow leak. That's what happened to Samson. Look at verse 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, She sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. Then she made him sleep on her lap. Hey, look at that real quick. I want to say something about that. Isn't it crazy? Keep verse 19 up, please. Isn't it crazy that the very thing that has tried to ruin him so many times, that has lied to him, that has tricked to him, that has tried to ruin his life. Listen, he goes back to the very thing that's tried to ruin him so many times and lays in its lap. Isn't that nuts? I mean, you read that, and again, like I'm saying, Samson, you know, me not think good. Like, what is wrong with you, bro? You're going right back to the place, right back to the person that has tried to ruin you so many times. Like, what are you thinking? Like, who would run back to the very thing that's tried to ruin them? Who would run back? Who would chase back? Who would lay in the lap of the very person that's tried to ruin them already? I would, and you would, and we do, right? I mean, think about it. How many times have we said, God, I'll never again do this. God, this is ruining my life. This is ruining my marriage. Man, it started with one drink, with five drinks, then 10 drinks, and now I just have taken ease off, and now, man, it controls my life. And you run back to those things and you say, man, I'll never do it again. Man, I'll never look at that again. I'll never say that again. And then it happens. We lay right back into the lap of the thing that tries to ruin us so many times before. Verse 19. Then she made him sleep on her lap and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's a scary place to be. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. Can I tell you something? Samson lost his sight long before he lost his eyes. It said whatever was pleasing to his eyes, that's what he did. So, man, when they took his eyes, he had lost that long, long before they took his eyes, looking at things, doing things, chasing things that he knew he shouldn't have, but whatever was pleasing to his eye, whatever he wanted, he did. 
And everywhere I looked, everywhere I've been studying the last couple of weeks, here's what I've seen. Man, I've seen pastors, I've seen teachers, I've seen Bible scholars, and, and people that are about a billion times smarter than me write, you know, synopsis and summaries on Samson's life. And here's what I've always read. Man, I see this everywhere. Man, Samson's a bum. Samson's a loser. Samson blew it. Man, what a waste of talent. Man, what a, what a waste of God's blessing and favor on his life. Man, he spent his entire life doing his own thing, chasing after the wrong things, trying to be whatever was pleasing to his eyes. And everywhere I'm reading... It's like, man, what a waste. Man, what a waste for Samson. Uh, Everybody, everywhere I look, man, uh, God told him to do this, he did this. Man, God gave him this special, incredible power, and he used it for his own glory. Like, like, like Samson's at the, the low, man, as low as you can go. All his Facebook friends defriending him. Twitter's blowing up. Hashtag Samson is blown it. Uh, Samson captured. The end of Samson. Like it's everywhere. Talk of the town. Man, can you believe he did that? Can you believe Samson blew it? Man, we've got him. We finally got it. Can you imagine the Philistines going, man, it's over. We've captured him. What a bum. What a loser. And it seems over for Samson. And then verse 22. Man. A verse that might get overlooked right in the middle of this Hollywood drama full of fight scenes and and scandal and love story and and wars and battles. It might get overlooked, but I think that this verse changes everything for Samson and for us. Let's look at verse 22 together. It said, but after it had been shaved, the hair on his head began to grow again. That blows my mind. It does, man. The last two weeks have blown my mind studying this verse, how it could get overlooked. And I'm going, God, why put that in there? Like, why uh, put that little verse in between all of this, what happens before and after? Why put verse 22 in there? The hair on his head began to grow again. What did his hair represent? Like, what did his hair represent? It represented the presence, the power, the strength of God, God's presence on his life. And then he blows it. He shaves his head. He gets rid of his hair. The very thing that God represented, his presence and his power in his life. And I think that Romans 5.20 might answer that question. Romans 5.20 says that where our sin increased, God's grace increased all the more. Here's what that means. The more and more we blow it, the more and more grace God shows us. The first further and further and further away we run, the further and further and further God goes to get us. Listen, we cannot outrun the grace of God. Listen, listen, God's presence, God's power might be on your life, man, and you might be living for him, and you might be a slowly but steady walking away, and listen, God hasn't gone anywhere. You're the one that's moving, and you continue to go, and you continue to go, and in a way, you could almost say the hair on your head has been shaved, but listen, no matter how far you've gone, no matter what mistake you've made, Your hair will grow again. Your hair will grow again. Did you know this? This isn't a science lesson, but I thought it was interesting that I read this week that, did you know when your head is shaved, when your hair is cut, and I'm not talking about like, if you're bald, I'm sorry, maybe that's your prayer today, like, Lord, please let my hair grow again. I'm not talking about that. Listen, if your hair is cut, do you know when it starts growing back? Immediately. That's crazy, man that God would put that in there and say, the second you tell me, man, I'm sorry, I come back to you. God, forgive me. Your hair grows again. You cannot outrun the grace of God. And here's proof of that. Hebrews 11, you don't have to turn there, is considered almost like the hall of fame. It's considered like the hall, you might have heard an old preacher say, the hall of faith, you know? And as cheesy as that may sound, man, it's so true. 
It's the hall of faith. Hebrew 11, it talks about guys like Moses. It talks about guys like Elijah. Uh, it talks about Joshua and Abraham and all these guys that did unbelievable great things for God. And then look at this. This is crazy. Look, Hebrews 11, chapter 32, you can just listen. It says, and what more shall I say? Remember, man, he, he's been uh, counting off all these guys, these hall of fame, these guys that have done great things for God, that, that pursued God, that walked with God, that, that were heroes of the faith that you mentioned, man, and you would say, this guy definitely deserves to be in the hall of fame. All these guys, and listen, I do not have time to, to tell about these men, Gideon, Barak, and Samson. What? what like Samson we just read his story the dude spent his whole life running from God he spent his whole life blowing it his whole life pursuing his own thing and now he's in the hall of fame like if I'm Moses I'm finding God like hey God um yeah this I mean I don't get awkward but remember like that Red Sea thing and like all the you know remember that uh that was cool right hall of fame worthy i think you made a mistake samson's in here with me right like i'm saying that if i'm moses and then he describes in verse 34 how samson got in that hall of fame it says because his weakness was made into strength i think a better way to say that would just be grace grace Man, grace is rocking my world. Grace is rocking our world the last couple of months. Reading about this, how there is nothing you can do to make God love you any less. And there's nothing you could do to make him love you any more. It is the grace of God that sustains us, that walks with us. When we blow it, it's the grace of God that, that, that lifts us back up. When we're too prideful and we think that we've got it going on, it's the grace of God that pulls us back and says, man, you're only here because of me and because of my grace. It's unbelievable. And maybe Samson understood for the first time in his life where his strength came from at this moment look at this samson went on in his last breath to fulfill what god called him to do he prayed to god and understood for maybe the first time that it wasn't about him it was about his father his creator look at verse 29 it says and samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and he leaned his weight against them his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his entire life. Did you know that you can do more in a moment with God than you can do in your entire life alone? Did you hear that? You can do more in a moment with God than you could do in an entire lifetime on your own. And maybe that's why you feel so helpless. And maybe that's why you feel so weak. And man, you're hearing these words and they're resonating with you because you know you're doing some things you shouldn't do. And you know you're a believer and you know you've, you, you, you've been called. Man, the Bible says that you've been set apart, you've been chosen. And maybe you know today, man, you're going, God, this is the things that I'm doing. These are the mistakes I'm making. God, Samson's story is my story. God, you've given me chance after chance after chance after chance, and I continue running back to the very thing that's tried to ruin my life. You spent 10 years of hell in your marriage, and you're getting ready to, to file divorce papers this month. God is telling you, man, put my strength in you. Put my strength in me. 
I'll sustain you, I'll fulfill you. And then listen, God wants to put your marriage back together, not just for you, but maybe so your neighborhood would see two people that have no connection, they can't even speak anymore, whose children know what's going on, who the community know what's going on, and something happens all of a sudden, and they stop putting their strength in themselves, and they put their strength in their father, their creator, their savior, in the savior's love, and they're going, what happened to them? They realized it wasn't about them. And now your neighbors might come to Christ because of your marriage. Maybe the people in your small group are gonna, are gonna wake up and say, you know what, I'm dealing with the same thing. And you're able to sit around with a group of people and say, man, I blow it over and over again. Our marriage is about to be over, but listen, God's strength is greater than our failures. You might have had an abortion and you've never been able to forgive yourself. Listen, God has forgiven you. And God wants to restore you and take you places that you've never been able to imagine and use that story, man, for his glory and his power to help others. You might have this pressure of can't live up to a parent's expectation or maybe a big brother or sister is gifted in some areas that you're not maybe necessarily gifted in and you spent your entire life saying, I can't live up to this. I'm throwing in the towel. Forget about this. But God's telling you, man, I've gifted you. I've called you. Use my strength to do what I've created you to do. You're not supposed to be your dad. You're not supposed to be your big brother. You're supposed to be you. Use his strength, not your strength. It's not easy but it's worth it. Man, it's hard. I'm not saying that. Please don't walk out of here and say, I've got the strength of the Lord. It's easy now. No way, man. It might even be harder. But listen, it's worth it. I want to read something to you. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Joshua 1.9. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It was about this time last year I was getting ready to go for a walk, getting ready to go for a run outside. I only run outside in the summer. Your pastor, I look out the window and see him running out like in the middle of the winter when it's raining. I'm not like that, you know, so I, uh, I run out when it's warm. There's a breeze. And my son, my two-year-old at the time, Finn, said, Daddy, can I come with you? I said, absolutely, dude. So we put his Nikes on. We got him strapped up. We got ready to leave. And we start walking in our neighborhood, and it's probably, I forget, 7.30, 8, 8.30 o'clock. And it's light outside, sun might be going down. And we start walking. And if you know anything about my two-year-old, man, he's like already destroyed this church. Like he's running up here by himself and he's looking in the woods. And, and then I'm walking and I look and I'm looking around. He's 50 feet behind me. Bro, come on, come on, come on, come up with me. So, man, he's just crazy. And then something happens. His whole demeanor changes. Uh, his confidence uh, dwindled a little bit. That big old ball in the sky that gives light to the earth went down. <laughs> So then he runs up to me and he's not quite as far. And, and he runs up to me and he's grabbing my leg. And he's saying, Daddy, carry me, carry me, carry me, carry me, carry me. And I'm saying, buddy, it's okay. And carry me, carry me, carry me. I'm scared. It's dark. It's dark. I said, buddy. So I picked him up. Here's what I said. I said, buddy, I got you. I got you. I got you. He looked at me. You got me? I said, I got you, buddy. So I put him down. The street lights got a little brighter. We're by the pool at this time. And he's running around again. I'm going to go swimming. I said, no, we're not going swimming. You know, so he walking. Then we get a little further from the street lights, and all of a sudden, Daddy, carry me, carry me, carry me, carry me, carry me. There's a monster, there's a monster. I said, buddy, there's not a monster. He said, there's a monster over there. I said, hold on, buddy. So I put him down. So I walk over by myself, 10, 15, 20 feet in front of him. And I said, monster, if you are there, you come out. Monster, come on. I look at him. I said, buddy, one of two things. Either there's no monster in there, or he is scared to death of your dad. Okay. So I picked him back up. I said, buddy, I got you. I got you. I got you. He looked at me and said, Daddy, you got me? You got me? I said, I got you. 
my two-year-old understood something that night that, man, we get lost in so much. He knew that I went before him. And he knew, one, that if a monster did jump out, that his dad would rip that monster's face off and eat it for breakfast. So he was confident in that. But listen, number two, he understood, man, my dad's already gone and checked things out. Man, my dad walks behind me. And when I'm scared, man, my dad picks me up and he whispers to me and he says, I got you, I got you, I got you. And I think Samson might have ignored that whisper all too many times. The, the Samson heard God say, man, I got you, I got you, but he continued to try to do it on his own. He continued to try to do his own thing. And you listen, you know why God whispers, right? God whispers because he's close. And he's telling you this morning, I got you, I got you, I got you. It's going to be scared. It's going to be frightening. But listen, where does your strength come from? It doesn't come from you. We just sang it a few minutes ago, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Samson ignored that whisper for so long and finally at the end of his life said, I get it. I see what's going on, man. I've spent my whole life trying to fight on my own. I've spent my whole life trying to flex my own muscles and do it on my own. But God's word for Samson and God's word for you this morning is I got you. I got you. I got you. Listen, regardless if you've blown it, regardless if you've had that abortion, regardless if the last 10 years of your marriage has been on the rocks and you're about to call it quit, God tells you this morning, I've got you. I've got you. Don't ignore that. God's telling you this morning, regardless of the mistake you've made, the past you've had, all the failures that have added up so many times after time after time, I've got you. I've got you. Lean on me. Let me hold you in my arms. You can't do it. You want to know why? You've tried over and over again and you keep falling over and over again because you tried it on your own let me get you let me carry you i go before you i go behind you i walk with you and let me promise you something god tells us he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you and you got to trust him to know he's got you he will fight for you he is with you let's stand and sing this morning that the weak is made strong and the savior love regardless of what we've done he carries us he fights for us god in christ through the savior's love come on christ alone let's sing it loud christ
blown it so many times. Man, I've done so many stupid things. And you know what God said? My grace is greater than your sin. My grace is stronger than anything you've ever done. Your shame may be strong. Your past may be strong. But my grace is stronger. Your failures may be strong. Your mistakes, your stupid decisions may be strong, but my grace is stronger. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he gave his life on a cross. He was beaten, he was spit on, he was mocked, and he was hung on a cross that we deserve to be on because of our failures, because of our sin, because of our mistakes. So that when his father looks at us, he doesn't see our past. He doesn't see our mistakes. He sees his perfect, spotless son, Jesus. And we sang it a minute ago, when we stand before him, we either stand uh, sinful and apart from him, or we stand faultless because he sees his son. We're out of here in just a few minutes, but I want to ask you, maybe today you've understood, man, I'm a child of God. And that's something that's special about us, that the presence of God was on Samson. But us as believers, man, when Jesus left, now we have the the presence of God, the Spirit of God in us. That helps us overcome these things. But man, maybe you would say today, you know, Stevie, you're talking. And man, I believe those lies. I've made those mistakes. I've done those things. And today it's time to come back to God. You say, man, Stevie, today I want to come back and I don't can't answer that question, where does my strength come from accurately? And today my prayer is that I would supernaturally, positively understand that my strength comes from the Lord, from my Father who carries me. Maybe there's some people in this room that say, you know, I've never even experienced that. Maybe this is your first time on a Memorial Day weekend. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church. And you say today, man, for the first time, I want to give my life to God. For the first time, I want to experience God. If you would say today, man, I want to come back to God. I want to come to God. I'm going to say something, and I just want you to say it in your heart. I'm going to say it out loud. You say it in your heart. Whether if you're coming to God for the first time, you're saying, God, I've never given you my life today. I want to give you my life. Save me. Change me. Or, man, you've done that, but you've walked so far, but you say, today, I'm coming back to God. I'm going to say something out loud. You say it in your heart. Here's what you say. Say, God, I cannot do it alone. I've tried over and over again, and I've failed. Today, I give you my heart. I give you my life change me save me forgive me if you said that with me everybody stood with their eyes closed nobody looking around please if you would say today for the first time or maybe just for maybe the last time I'm coming back if you said that with me just a second ago when I said it out loud you said it in your heart here's what I'm going to do I'm going to count to three and I just want to see you raise your hand and it's going to be hard it's going to be tough but listen it ain't about you Your strength is in him. Your arm can't lift it. And through Christ, you can. Listen, I'm going to count to three. Listen, if you said that prayer with me, if you said that with me today, just slip your hand up and keep it up. One, two, three. Come on. Amazing. 
Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. You're strong. Do something for me, please. Fill that Get Connected card out and just let us know today. I came to God. I came back to God. I accepted Christ. I came back to Christ. And that's just so we can help you, so we can pray with you, so we can give you some steps to help you. You can't do this alone. We want to help you. Please do not walk out of this building without telling us somehow, some way, man, I came to God today. God, we thank you. We praise you. God, I thank you for the dozens of hands that are raised in this room. God, I thank you for your grace that is sufficient. God, I thank you for your strength that when we fall, when we fail, you are stronger. God, we thank you for Jesus. It's in him our hope is found. It's in him that we are saved. It's in him that we are free. It's in him that we're able to have the strength that you've given us. God, we thank you for so much. Be with us, lead us, guide us, direct us. And God, when we fail, when we fail, we will. God, we know your arms are open wide. Let us come back. God, not with our our head tucked. God, not with shame, but knowing that when you see us, you see your son. And you welcome us back with open arms because of your grace. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give those a hand that raised their hand today. Unbelievable. Love you,